and welcome to True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. This is Katie Weaver, and I'm here with my co-host, sister, and partner in crime, Christy Brower. Hello. Hello. Hey, everybody. How's it going? It is Wednesday night. Case update. Wednesday night. I know. I'm excited. There's a new jingle for us. <laughs> yeah. It's Wednesday night. It's case updates. Do, 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 do. I don't know. Just <laughs> shit up. I'll no, actually... Fine. This week is so weird. This some of the very historic things that we are going to share with you mm-hmm. that have happened this week. It's just cool. It's cool. Lots anyway, of big. I'm doings. jazzed about it. Obviously. Me too. It's so good. I want to say hi to Cranky, to Corin, to GB, to Lynn, Amy, Donna, Renee. Hey, everybody. Good to see you. Yeah. And of course, we are live here on Facebook and on YouTube. Hey, Cami. And, of course, uh, many of you will listen to this later as a podcast, too, or or view it later. So, welcome to everybody. Absolutely. So, how's it going? I, it's really good. It's really good. I got a very cool present today. You did? That they, yeah. the people who gave it to me didn't know it was going to be a present until I just sort of commandeered it. But, yeah. you guys, <laughs> look at this. This is a llama corn. It's all jointed. <laughs> It's a llama corn. And look at its silly face. Like it's got a <laughs> tongue sticking out. Like it's super cute. Yeah. So you can imagine that Katie and Scott mm-hmm. printed it on their um, magical printer. Isn't that cute? I know. It's so cute. I love, I love it. it. Yes. It, it collapses. It'll collapse flat like this. Yeah. But it, but it stands up too. Uh-huh. They're so cute. There. Adorable. So anyway. Yeah. Good day when you get a when you get a free llama corn. Right. Just for showing up to coffee. It's kind of show up to coffee and llama corns abound. Well, right. there was just one, but <laughs> well true. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh oh, there's the other Renee. Yep, both Renees are here. Oh, good. Say hi to Barbara and Janet and Language. Oh, let's see. Yep, I think I got everybody. I think <laughs> yeah. so. Renee, I'm telling you. 3D printers are addictive. It's ridiculous. We got one in October. We now have three. We're ridiculous. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you heard that right. So well, they fun. have one just just to print my projects. <laughs> right. I, think, well, I also yeah. have a dragon in front of me. This is uh, the sea dragon. See so flippers. pretty. This long fancy tail. Yeah. He is. Very hard to gauge where the camera is. Okay, there we go. There you go. Yeah, all the spikes on his head. Pretty cool. This guy came off the printer yesterday. So, yeah, lots of fun stuff going on up in here. Oh, Lynn needs one. I know. Why? Well, you can buy a dragon from me anytime. Just send me a message. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put him on uh, Etsy as soon as I get off my ass and do so. <laughs> I'm going to hound her repeatedly every single mm-hmm. day until she does. So, to get him over I got there. your back. Yeah. Yes, they are so fun. Yeah, they're, the printers are addictive. They're maddening. Honestly, um, if Scott wasn't doing it and I was kind of assisting, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he, he's really good at 
stuff like this. But he, not he's saying I wouldn't be at- if I had to do it myself. I probably could, but um, this is his forte. It I really find is. stuff, he prints it. Hey, I, I order think the that PLA, seems like a good relationship. He uses it. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> it makes us a team. Well, you guys, we have got so much to report on today, and it's Ooh. just really, really cool. And I think we should start with the oldest thing we can come up with. Please do, because this is the coolest thing. Are you familiar? I know you are. Are you guys familiar with the babes in the woods? Right? You've probably heard that before. Yeah. There was Wasn't even a song. song? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The babes in the woods that just laid down and died. They sobbed and they cried and they laid down and died. And then died. they laid down and died. Yeah. Well, what a quite lay down and die. Uh, they were bludgeoned to death with an axe. Which is awful. But yeah, this was 70 years ago. The babes in the woods were found in Stanley Park in 1953. And no one has ever known who they were. This was in uh, they were never reported missing. Never reported missing. Yep. And Yes, they could never match them up to who they could have been. We knew they were two murdered little boys, uh, but that's really all they knew. And this has just haunted investigators there forever because how do two little boys just get murdered and nobody reports missing children? Right. Well, that again was in 1953. And on Tuesday, Vancouver police revealed that they now know who they are. It is just amazing. They are six-year-old David and seven-year-old Derek D'Alton. One of the investigators said, these murders have haunted generations of homicide investigators, and we are relieved to now give these children a name and bring some closure to this horrific case. So here's what they know. These children were uh, Russian immigrants. Apparently there were uh, quite a few uh, very poor Russian immigrants in the area at the time. They believed that they were bludgeoned to death with a hatchet by a close relative. They suspect it was their mother in 1948. They were half-brothers. They attended Henry Hudson Elementary School. And they were never reported missing. The family changed their last name to Bosquet in the 1950s after the boys were killed. Wow. Yep. Can I tell Uh, you the whole song? Because I found it. Yes. Because it's been killing me. Like, I can't remember. It's like, it's right there. Okay, so it's called Two Babes in the Woods. My dears, do you know how a long time ago, two poor little babes whose names I don't know were stolen away on a bright summer day and left in the woods, so I've heard people say. And when it was night, how sad was their plight. The sun it went down and the moon gave no light. They sobbed and they sighed and they bitterly cried, and the poor little things, they laid down and died. And when they were dead, this is the part I remember really clearly that our mom sang to us. Mm -hmm. When they were dead, the robins so red brought strawberry leaves and over them spread. Yeah. And all the day long, they sang them this song, poor babes in the woods, poor babes in the woods. And don't you remember the babes in the woods? Yep. 
I mean, it traumatized multiple generations. First of all, <laughs> what the hell, mom? Really? Yeah, I know. I'm like, why was, was anyone reading this, seeing this to children? But I, I, I re remember it clearly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Oh, Me GB too. says originally they thought it was a boy and a girl. Yeah. Because they found him skeletonized, right? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Uh, let's see. Renee says Vancouver, Washington, or BC? BC. Yeah. BC. Uh, so, using, you know, you know, uh, genealogical DNA profiles, they managed to track it back from their bone samples and have been able to create a reverse family tree and find their family. It's just an amazing one. It's a, such a huge piece of clear uh, uh, closure and, and a solved case that has, is so famous. I know when, when you sent me the article, I was like, oh my God, mm -hmm. like that just has some, just rings in me somehow. So here's the thing. A family member had uploaded their DNA to the system because they were trying to find these little boys. Oh my gosh. Not because they'd been murdered, but because they had been told the boys had been removed from the residence by the ministry. Oh my goodness. And so this family member had said they did their best to talk about the boys and try to get the story. And the only response they got from the family was silence. And the uh, disappearance of these boys was just not discussed in the family. Yeah. Holy crap. Hey, Betty. Two yeah. little kids go missing and people, it's just shut down the conversation. That's awful. Yes. Hey, Paula. Uh, yeah. All right. So why would their mother have killed them? Why? Why? I had a few thoughts. One was poverty. Mm-hmm. Uh, and inability to take care of them. Makes you wonder. And then, of course, postpartum depression. Yeah, postpartum depression, mental illness, abuse. We don't know for sure, but they they do believe it was a very close family member. When they found their remains, they were covered with a mother's coat, or with not a mother's, with a female coat, a woman's coat. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So there you go. Pretty amazing. That's DNA for the win. Wow. Yeah, it is. That's just, wow, that's stunning. Mm -hmm. It really is. Yeah. So, Christy, in other very historic stuff this week, uh, there's been a huge settlement uh, that has to do with Sandy Hook. Yes. Can talk about it? Yes. So, the Sandy Hook families, the parents from the Sandy Hook shooting uh, that happened in 2012, have settled with Remington who is the gun maker of the AR-15 rifle that was used um, in the massacre. Now, it's really important to understand what this is about. It is not about the use of the gun. No. Um, it is about the way the gun was marketed, mm -hmm. um, you know, toward, this is what they alleged, um, it was a Bushmaster XM15E2S rifle, which is an AR-15 style, was marketed alleging it targeted 
younger at-risk males in marketing and product placement in violent video games. In one of Remington's mm -hmm. ads, it features the rifle against a plain backdrop and the phrase, consider your man card reissued. So that is why they sued, not for the shooting itself, because we can't control right. what people do with the guns that they get. You know, I mean, that's a whole other huge. This is a $73 million lawsuit. Yeah. But the point was marketing to at-risk, violent, mm -hmm. young men. Um, yeah, it, absolutely devastating. Absolutely mm -hmm. devastating. I agree, Cranky. Um, but this is big news. This yeah. is really big news. This has never happened before. No. There has never been a successful lawsuit against a gun company to have anything to that has anything to do with a mass shooting or school shooting or something like that. Yeah. So this is historic because there is now some accountability. Now, mm -hmm. they settled. This was not a judgment. Remington yeah. settled for $73 million, but they settled, you guys. I mean, you can't deny yeah. that that marketing was there. It's visible. You can find it if you go look it up. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, no kidding, Cammie. Remington himself would be rolling over in his grave. No kidding. Hey, Lydia. Yeah. Yeah. For right. sure. Right. And yeah, it's amazing that this suit went all the way to this point. Mm -hmm. And the Sandy Hook parents are freaking rock stars, and so are mm. the attorneys that helped them do this. But first, the Alex Jones lawsuit, and now this—they are—they are relentless. They have been amazing. They are. Yeah. they are. They are not giving up. But no. but the idea that a gun company has some responsibility, a gun maker, to who they're advertising to, who their target markets are—that's really really important. Yeah. So I was really pleased to see that Remington settled because it sends a message. Yes. You know, and a lot of people think that this lawsuit was about the actual shooting. Right. And it is not. No. It is not. That's not the point. The point here is you can't market to at-risk young men who, at-risk young white men, mm -hmm. frankly, who are most of the time mm -hmm. our um, mass shooters. And, you know, using semi-automatic weapons, you know, and, and marketing them to the very people committing these shootings. I mean, come on. Yeah. You know, it's a no-brainer. Yep. Yeah. Huge news. So, yes, I totally, Amy, between that and the Crumblies, we're seeing some accountability. We're starting. Yeah. We're mm -hmm. at the very beginning. But it's a, for for a company as old and as big as, you know, as old as Remington is, been around forever. Mm-hmm. I mean, they acknowledge some culpability here, whether they admit it publicly or not. Paying out $73 million is no. That's is a not pretty something. big admission. Yeah. Yeah. It is. For sure. Huh. So good. So thrilled okay. about that. Well, hey, Sherry. So uh, last week we talked about that uh, Ghislaine Maxwell, they had filed a request to seal motions for a new trial. That they wanted uh, to seal all of their documentation for a new trial because uh, they said that that would be detrimental to their case. And the judge said, no, no, no. So, <laughs> Good. Not happening. 
Gillian Maxwell has fought for special treatment and got absolutely none of it. And I am here for that. Absolutely. Yep. Of course, her lawyers have asked the court to vacate her convictions and acquit her. Good Lord. Because prosecutors failed to prove their case beyond a reasonable doubt. Now, isn't that fascinating, considering that she was uh, convicted by a jury of her peers? Yes. They're still going back to that. Hey, Aaron. They're going to try everything, you know. They are, this is a deep well of money, so they're going to use it up. Yep. Yep, that's correct. Yep. And speaking of a deep well of money, though I can't imagine these fools have a whole lot left, let's talk about Josh Duggar. Oh, do we have to? <laughs> Only for a minute. Only for a minute. Uh, they have finally set a date for sentencing for Josh Duggar in uh, the... Conviction of receiving and possessing child sex abuse materials in December. And that's going to be on April 5th at 9.30 a.m. Well, it is about damn time. Mm -hmm. It looks like he will be receiving at least five years, perhaps quite a lot more. I really want it to be at least 10. Mm -hmm. At least 10. I want his kids to have the opportunity to mostly get grown up before Mm -hmm. his screwed up ass is back in their lives. Yeah. Really, honestly, it's it's for the sake of his children more than anything. Yeah, that I I want him to be gone for longer. Now, one interesting thing is that there's a victim impact statement attached to the pre-sentencing investigation report. Really, we don't really know where that came from. Right, where did that come from? Considering that this was, yeah, well, you know, sharing child porn, but. Wow. We're not really sure. Now, it's true that some of the uh, material that he had was of a baby that is a fairly well uh, known piece of child porn, unfortunately. Uh, and so I wonder if it that came from that baby's mother, maybe? maybe. Well, we don't know. We just don't know. Right. And that's it, very that's interesting. If they actually have... that we may not ever know. That's yeah. very interesting. If if there's a you know an actual victim identified not just pictures but a human being identified in mm-hmm. those pictures that could sure be yeah. wow yep but of course they have the same kind of uh at the jail they have the same kind of video chat system that they had something like the ones that they had at uh madison county jail mm-hmm. and jailers are and people that work at the jail are saying that he chats for hours every day with anna and other family members. So he's really Gross. You know, tearing it up in jail, just spending all of his time on video chat. Who yeah. are these people that want to be video chatting with him? Oh my God. Right. Yeah. Beyond oh. disgusting. But at least yeah. in April, he will learn his fate and then he'll move on to prison. So yeah. that's where you belong, Josh. He's definitely where you belong. Yes. Yeah. It does make you wonder what the rest of the family is like, for sure. Janet, it's a good point. She said, well, the fact that he molested his sisters play into his sentencing. Can they consider that? I think they can because they were allowed to uh, include that in the the trial itself. So I don't know why it wouldn't be. Yeah, it it was brought in and they the defense tried to keep it out and judge said no. Yeah. So that's good. Certainly gives... um, the judge some perspective on his risk to the mm-hmm. community. Yep. I think the longer Josh is in prison, the safer his children will be. 
Absolutely. Yep, for sure. Yep. Awful. So there you go. That's some good news on the Josh Duggar front. We'll find out soon and dude's going to prison. Good. Yeah. So Christy, do you want to talk to us a bit about Prince Andrew? Boy, do I. We have been talking about... Yeah, we have been talking about this for a while now in relation to the Ghislaine Maxwell case. Of course, Prince Andrew has been, you know, accused of sexually abusing Virginia Gouffray in the 90s. Mm -hmm. And she is suing him in a civil suit. And there's been all this drama about it. And he's, you know, no longer be allowed to be called his... Your Majesty, he basically got kicked out of the monarchy over this. I mean, he's had some serious shit go down. Well, mm-hmm. he has now agreed to a settlement um, in this case. Now, interestingly, mm-hmm. the money doesn't go to her. No. She has chosen a charity that it will go to. Yep. So it does avoid trial, which, of course, I've been expecting he would do because dude has already had his life shredded. I can't imagine that he wants to go to trial with this. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if she gets money. She may get some money, but definitely a lot of money goes to a, a, a um, charity as well. Yeah. We don't know how much the, yeah. the um, settlement is. We may not ever know. Um. He says he never meant to malign her character, and he recognizes that she has suffered as an abuse victim. Now, that is not an admission that she has suffered at his hand, although um, it's pretty clear uh, by the evidence that was presented in Ghislaine Maxwell's trial that he did it, jackass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how long has he been abusing girls? Uh, pretty much as long as I think he could. Yeah. He, yep. He's very well known as being a real mm-hmm. philanderer and liking the younger girls, to put it in Trump's words, mm-hmm. which is what he, yep. he actually said that about um, Jeffrey Epstein, but Epstein, it's very similar. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah, so Birds anyway. Birds of a feather. Yep. She's getting her settlement and that is going away. So we won't get to have a trial on that. Uh, but honestly, you know, he has finally had some comeuppance yes. for his mother to, uh, you mm-hmm. know, kick him out of the royal family. Yep. Pretty big deal. Yep. It's, it's, there's the beginning, there's a glimmer of hope in a lot of the cases that are coming out right now. Yeah. Um, because we're seeing yeah. that, hey, maybe, I don't know, human trafficking and child sexual abuse is not okay. Yeah. And, you know, maybe, um, gun companies are going to start getting some responsibility for mass shootings. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's some stuff happening right now that's important. We've seen some things I really, gives me a little hope that we're heading yes. in the right direction, I gotta say. Absolutely. So hi to Moonbeam and to Lana. Rambahedral says, Andrew is still the favorite son of the crown. It is only that she has to publicly denounce him due to all that came to light. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that's absolutely true. Uh, Yes, he did uh, pull some stuff in the 
when he was married to Sarah Ferguson. And Cammy yeah. Trump was mentioned repeatedly in the Maxwell stuff, as was Bill Clinton. They both oh, yeah. came up repeatedly. Very yeah. much so. We just haven't seen any, unfortunately, any charges. Action. Yeah. But yes, Pretty they were sad mentioned. that two U.S. presidents were brought up. Yeah. Surely and, and is. That's what we know, because we also know that there is a list of eight people from the Little Black Book that they still have not brought up that uh, apparently are real barn burners, too. And I just well, like and to hear their names. There's been um, apparently uh, now Gillian Maxwell is not um, is not uh, opposing the release of those names. And so we're one step closer to knowing. Yep. 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 Yeah, so. Oh, Bloomberg. Yes, that's true. Bloomberg was involved with Epstein also. Yep. Mm -hmm. And others that, that I can't think of at this moment. But yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Disgusting people. Very yeah. disgusting people. But I'm glad that Virginia Gouffray is getting a settlement. I'm glad he's getting his cup up, come up and at least to some extent. Mm -hmm. He's had some pretty serious uh, public embarrassment. And mm -hmm. uh, definitely... He deserves it. Yep. I wish it was criminal, but it's not. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Richardson, New Mexico's governor. Yep. Oh, and uh, Allen Ginsburg. Oh. Yes. Allen Ginsburg. Mm -hmm. A real idiot. Ugh. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, not, no, Bill Gates was not named. No, he was named on the uh, flight manifesto. The flight manifesto. Yeah. Right. That or manifesto. <laughs> manifest. Manifest. <laughs> You know, you think about how big these names are that we already know. Who the hell are those eight that right. we don't know? And why are they being protected? Well, money. We all know why they're being protected. But we're a step closer to getting those names. And we may at this I point. I hope so. I'm really holding space that we do. The only way we break these patterns is to break them, you know, is to, to, to fight them, to prosecute them, to really pull it all out into the light. So... Yeah, we'll see. This is not over. Uh, that seems to be part of it. Yep. So speaking of uh, not over, <laughs> James Phelps. Yeah. So last week we talked about this is in the Cassidy Rainwater case. Last week we talked about uh, his co-defendant, Timothy Norton, had just received uh, new a new attorney that is uh, a capital case attorney. Yep. Well, guess who also just got one? James Phelps is now represented by Thomas Jaquinot, mm. who is a public defender for the Capitol Division out of Kansas City. Which interesting because uh, they haven't made the they haven't made it public that they're seeking the death penalty here, but it's pretty clear they are. Yeah. And yeah. they wouldn't be going for these attorneys. A little more information too. Uh so Phelps and Norton both face first-degree murder uh, and charges of kidnapping and abandonment of a corpse. But yeah, they have not said they're going to seek the death penalty, but you're sure starting to wonder with yeah. both of them now receiving these public defenders. But they had an interview. This was on KY3 at, uh, News, and KY3 interviewed Sheriff Scott Rice. And he said he confirmed that Cassidy Rainwater's water's flesh was found in a freezer and he said the rest of her remains were found scattered on a nearby property belonging to Bill Rainwater, Cassidy's grandfather. Which is, I don't believe I'd heard that before. 
I hadn't heard that before either, but I did know that her family's property was butted up to yeah. Phelps's property. So that's awful. Yeah. Spread her remains on her grandpa's property. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, we hadn't heard that before. So there you go. So we'll just keep watching this case. It's definitely an interesting one. Now, last night we brought you the story of the four-year-old little girl who was rescued on Valentine's Day who had been missing for almost three years. And she was in the care of her non-custodial parents who had stolen her, we now know, from school. And oh, okay. I had wondered where, how they got a hold of her. Mm -hmm. Apparently they took her from school, uh, left the older sister, but took the little. And so this was just, uh, this all hit the news just yesterday and we reported on it last night. Now, uh, she's the little girl that was, they found, her name is Paisley Schultes. And of course they uh, discovered her being hidden under the stairs in kind of a little like Harry Potter closet with her mother. And they were at the home of her, her father's father. So they were at her grandpa's house. The police have been there multiple times looking for her. And every time they come, uh, he, dad and uh, grandpa both claim that mom took her and fled to Philadelphia or Pennsylvania and they haven't seen them in years and they have no idea and that they've been keeping a bedroom for her because apparently there was a bed and a bedroom that looked like it could be for a little girl. And they said, nope, we just keep this room set up for her just in case she ever comes back. And if she's ever found, they were sure looking hard, you know. Wow. Yeah. But the police pretty much, they were quite sure that he, they had her, but they just couldn't prove it until they got an anonymous tip that she was in a hidden compartment somewhere in the house, a hidden room. And they found her under the stairs. So we don't actually think they were like, she wasn't living under the stairs. They were hiding her under the stairs when people would come over. But yeah. she has been now missing for almost three years. Hasn't uh, been going to school. Uh, likely hasn't been getting medical care because how could you take her to the doctor? She's a missing person. Right. She was filed as a missing person in the state of New York and with the Center for Missing and Exploited Children. So. Blah, blah, blah. They found her, right? Uh, mm -hmm. It was very sweet that after they took her, they were driving to the hospital. And when they drove past McDonald's, she said, I haven't had McDonald's in a long time. So they just turned that bus around and got her a Happy <laughs> Meal, which I thought was so sweet. At any rate, she has been returned to the legal guardians. I had a brief conversation with someone on Facebook last night who uh, claims to be their neighbor, the legal guardian's neighbor. She said the legal guardian is not a grandparent, but is a close relative. Uh, also said that they uh, just built a big swing set at their house and they've been expecting to see little girls out there playing on it, which I thought was kind of sweet. That is cool. So they were in court today, all three of them. So this is Kirk Schultes Jr., Kirk Schultes Sr., and Kimberly Cooper. Now, Kimberly Cooper, mom, was arrested yesterday and taken into custody because there was an arrest warrant out for her already. The other two, there wasn't. Uh, so they basically were served and released ROR. But they were all back to face the judge today. And their charges are under felony review. So they should all be back in court on April 27th. Kimberly Cooper did bail out. 
uh, today from the Ulster County Jail. Uh, but they have all also been served with no contact orders. So they can have no contact with each other. Good. So that's what we know. Now, they did take Paisley to the hospital and had her checked out. And she's healthy and cared for and, and good emotion or physically. Emotionally, though, this has probably been a very weird few years. And she was also separated from her sister. So now she's been returned to the care of the legal guardians and the sister yeah. That's got to be so confusing, though, because she's been with her parents mm -hmm. this whole time. And so for her, yeah. you know, to us, it's like, oh, she's been found. She's safe. But in her mind, she's been taken from her parents. Yeah. And that's yeah. I, I really a poor little kid. She's going to need a lot. Yeah. Paula, correct. If the parents had just done things the right way, they probably would have been given her custody back by now and the sister. Right. But they chose to do it this way. Yeah. Well, and, and by doing it this way, I mean they alienated the kids. Like this was the dumbest. Mm -hmm. This was the way to damage your children the very most. Yeah. Like selfish idiots. Mm -hmm. That's a mess for sure. Oh, I'm sure they're all getting lawyers. Yeah, Cammy said it makes her wonder if they will run. Yeah, sure it does. And Amy said it uh, gives her hope for harmony and serenity. Right? And Michael Vaughn. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, for sure. So that's what we know. And we'll keep an eye on that case for sure. Yes, we will. Let's see. Christy, you had uh, the mugshot bill. Yeah. So every once in a while, Idaho does it right. Frequently wrong. And I'm going to give you a right and a wrong tonight. <laughs> we were but, surprised too, but here we go. Here we go. If this tells you anything about the cognitive dissonance that we live with living here, this will. Mm -hmm. Okay. So uh, a couple of legislators in Idaho are promoting a bill that would change the way that mugshots are released to the press for someone who's been booked into jail during a mental health crisis. Mm -hmm. And we have seen um, some cases of that. Mm -hmm. where, you know, somebody's having a really, really bad day and they get, you know, arrested. They're having a mental health crisis and it ruins your life to get some nasty looking mugshot in the local news. Mm -hmm. This actually comes from um, one of the legislators, Brooke Green, who her best friend, um, was having a mental health crisis, got arrested. Her, the media blew her face up all over the place while she's being committed to a psychiatric hospital because what's going on with her is a mental health crisis. And um, she was in the hospital for quite a while. And after she got out, she took her own life. And uh, her friend just says that she just could never get past that you know and somebody having a mental health crisis is not the same as someone committing a crime no and unfortunately in the system that we have right now the police you know show up for both mm -hmm. and so i'm really really happy that idaho is looking at this and this has bipartisan support which is amazing happens here yeah uh you know so i i think it's really cool yeah. and it's a really great step in the right direction just for improvement of community mental health in general. I yeah. think these bills already exist in a lot of other states, but of mm -hmm. course, 
Idaho, we're always behind the times. Mm -hmm. But this is good. So it's really good. Yeah, Melissa, it is terrible. And hi, Melissa, as well. Yeah, hi, Melissa. <laughs> Yeah, good thing though. Also, Idaho is at it again with this whole death penalty situation. Oh boy, let me tell you about this. So we've talked a lot about the way the uh, death penalty is handled in Idaho, and we shared a while back some real sketchy sort of backdoor um, transactions happening for uh, state officials to buy the drugs needed for lethal injection. As in and, briefcases full of cash and yeah. late night meetings in the Walmart parking lot. Yeah. Right. Yes. And and chartered flights and shit. Just ridiculous. Mm -hmm. So currently it is Idaho law that the way that lethal injection drugs are procured is public record. People have the right to know how that's done. So ugh, give me a break. I'll just I'll just read this to you because you're just gonna gag as much as I have. Um so legislation would bar Idaho officials from releasing where they obtain the drugs used in lethal injection executions. So you got to hear this part because this is the part that killed me. One of the legislators involved said the secrecy of the bill was needed because of woke cancel culture. Oh I was like, oh, God. for Christ's sake, are you kidding me? Like, we don't have the right to know how our state is getting and handling execution meds, drugs. Give me a freaking break, you know? So anyway, that's headed to, you know, that's that, that's a bill that's being sent out right now at the same time that the mugshot bill is. This is the kind of shit we live with in Idaho. <laughs> But it's ridiculous to think that the public doesn't have the right to know how the state is spending their money and getting those drugs if we have to be a fucking death penalty state anyway. Um, and a state that is a death penalty state that hardly ever executes anybody. Yeah. But, you know, we have um, uh, Pizzuto right now. We've talked about Pizzuto quite a bit. Yeah. That he um, is on death row, has been on death row for like 30 years, mm -hmm. um, is about to die of stomach cancer. So now Idaho is like real hot to execute him. Yeah. Um, they're not going to be able to because the parole board granted him clemency. The um, governor tried to override that and was told by the courts that actually you don't get to override that. If the parole board gave him clemency, he has clemency. And so he will now mm -hmm. die in jail, mm -hmm. not be executed. Why do you have to? I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. So <laughs> Melissa said maybe they're getting ready for the daybells. Well, right. <laughs> we did a case maybe. on that. Yeah. Yeah. We had a we, discussion yeah, we on did. that just this week. Yep. We did. Yeah. Because it's very interesting why all of this movement and action on this right now. Because yeah. most of the time, what was it, 2000, when was Paul Ezra Rhodes executed? Uh, Rhodes was the 2011, and then uh, what's I, the other guy, I can't remember his name, was 2012. Yeah, so yeah, it's been 10 years. In nine years, yeah. And, and the reason years. that they, you know, that they executed Paul Ezra Rhodes, because it was a huge public outcry for yes. that, you know. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly. Why Pizzuto does he need? you know, to be killed yeah. when he's already dying. 
Right. Yes, Oklahoma. Well, Oklahoma can't. Has firing squad. They are bringing back the firing squad because they have botched the last three uh, executions. Executions. Terrible. Terrible. Because they because of the drugs that they're using. Yeah. Well, Pizzuto here in Idaho asked for firing squad because yes. his medical issues would make um, lethal injection really brutally painful. Mm-hmm. But it's illegal in Idaho. Yeah. I don't know. All it of it is so very dumb. long. I think that Idaho got rid of the firing squad in something like 2016. It's yeah, it wasn't very, very long. long ago. That is true. Yeah. That is true. But, you know, why do they need to in secret... Yeah. Go with briefcases of cat. I mean, come mm-hmm. on. But yeah, why that's do they a need bill. to change the law in order to hide things from the public? I, and I agree. Aaron mm-hmm. said if state officials are acting above reproach, they shouldn't have anything to hide. Agreed. Exactly. Seriously, what the hell? But you know, it's woke cancel cancel culture. No, it's 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 your constituents expecting accountability. Yeah. Yeah, it yeah. is. Yeah, so, cranky, why not stop killing people, right? Yeah, yeah. Right, Oklahoma did stop for three years, and now they're rushing because the drugs are expiring. Yeah. And drug yeah. companies just, they're not making these drugs anymore. They don't want to do it. They don't mm-hmm. want to be a party to the death penalty. Mm-hmm. That's not really what they want their name to be associated with. Right. And that's <laughs> oh. part of what um, Idaho is saying is woke cancer cancel yeah. culture mm-hmm. no it's just drug companies going oh hey you're using our drugs to murder people mm-hmm. oh i don't think we want to be associated with that they don't want the potential lawsuits if there's problems they right. do not want any of the publicity it's a it's a slippery slope it's a mess yeah 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 it is it's just gross yeah. Right. The other two are Rx drugs. Rhombohedral said the cheapest part of lethal injections. The third part is potassium chloride or what you can get at Walmart. Yeah. Being Marin's fit salt. Mm. But uh, the other two are prescription drugs. Right. Yeah. Right. And they're getting harder and harder. So what they were doing for uh, Pollard's or Rhodes and the other guy, they found compound pharmacies, compounding pharmacies that were mixing them and selling them to them uh, behind closed doors. So one was in Salt Lake City and the other one was in Spokane, somewhere in Washington. Yeah, it was yeah. in Washington. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty wild. So anyway, Idaho, there you go. Right yeah. and wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Fentanyl is always frequently used. Yep. And pro- propofol, I think is how you say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, so, you know, Idaho, getting it wrong, getting it right. I don't know. We'll see. (laughs) We'll see what passes and we'll report back Mm -hmm. on that. Idaho doing the Idaho thing. Mm -hmm. Speaking of Idaho doing the Idaho thing, let's talk about Chad Daybell (laughs) and Lori and Lori. So we know that last Friday there was a status conference for Lori. Uh, to talk about her mental health and uh, presumably whether or not she is, uh, you know, anywhere near getting ready to be spiffed up and ready to come back to court. Right. So the interesting part about that is that it's not until the mid uh, part of, of March that that 180 days is up. So right. a month before that now, they were in court and this was requested by her attorney, as well as the prosecutor. But we found it really interesting that her attorney 
wanted. Oh. Sorry, just knocked a drum on the floor. <laughs> like, in is case, everyone okay in there? In case it sounded like I just knocked a drum on the floor, um, I did. Mm -hmm. I tried to knock a singing bowl on the floor, too. That would have been worse. Oh, um, anyway, uh, we find it interesting that her attorney asked for that. We feel like he's still trying to clean up the Mark Means mess and sure. figure out what's actually happening now. And if uh, we really wondered if he wonders if she really is or isn't fit to come back and be a part of her uh, own defense. So that happened. Uh, of course, it was sealed because it has to do with her mental health. So that's not something that the public is privy to. So we don't know what was said, but we will know something about it by the middle of March, because that's when that 180 days either has to be extended or she has to come back. Right. So we'll know what's happening at, at some point here soon, but that happened with Lori. In the meantime, on the same day, uh, Chad DeBell, his attorney, uh, Mr. Fryer, filed a memorandum in support of motion for severance. That seems like it's weird. Yeah, weird wording for the person asking for it. Yeah, it is weird because he's already filed a motion to have this heard. Mm -hmm. A memorandum of support is usually from somebody else saying, yeah, we agree to this or whatever. So I'm not sure if that is um, uh, standard. It seems strange to me. He says that he believes that... Uh... The defendant may file a motion to sever charges if he contends that charges were improperly joined in the first place. So here's the argument. The defendant, Chad Guy Daybell, is scheduled for trial commencing in early January 2023. At the present time, co-defendant Lori Vallow Daybell has her case stayed. Counsel for the defendant has not been provided medical information or updates as they relate to the defendant, Lori Vallow. It is presumed by this counsel that at the time of this memorandum, her status has remained unchanged. The difficulty in preparing the defense and doing the necessary preparation when there is uncertainty as to whether one of the co-defendants will be present for trial creates a number of evidentiary challenges, evidentiary challenges. In addition, preparation as it relates to asserting the defense further complicates Tiz's case. Come on now. You're not oh, no. Mark Mean. Surely uh, given... Fryer has Grammarly. He doesn't. <laughs> Grammarly would have never allowed this uh, case given the severity of the charges. In the event she is deemed unavailable because of her status, the defense would need to file several motions to exclude evidence as it relates to only defendant Lori Vallow Daybell. In addition, evidence under 404B as it relates to defendant Lori Vallow Daybell as to other crimes, wrongs, or acts as would need another issue here with uh, spacing and grammar and stuff. Come on, John, you can do better. Would need to be addressed by the court as an evidentiary ruling and would need to be made prior to trial. The outcome could be based on whether these cases are severed or joined. The prejudice of these other wrong acts by Lori Vallow Daybell, like the separation there, would uh -huh. certainly have an impact on jurors should these cases, cases remain joined. Uh, Your Honor, if Lori did bad things, that might make my client look bad. 
Uh, <laughs> counsel for Chad Daybell will not address specific evidence as it relates to this case in terms of prejudice to this defendant. He may, in argument, uh, he might have to roll some evidence out in order to make his argument, but essentially, blah, 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 I could go on, but this is long and boring. But it, essentially, he's just saying that because of the severity and nature of the case, uh, it's more important that the court should err on caution and sever these two cases immediately. So we'll see. I mean, I he's bringing up good points, I think, in why this can't keep going on. Yeah, I, I think he is. I mean, at this point, I think it's a pretty legit argument that this mm -hmm. is, in fact, beginning to violate um, Chad's rights. Mm -hmm. And yeah. that they may, in fact, have to do this. Mm -hmm. Yep. I think it's very possible that that's really coming. Probably really depends on what that status conference brought out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that sucks because we don't get to know. Yeah. Although, you know, we'd hear pretty quickly, I think, if she was back in the Madison County Jail. Yeah. I'm just going to say. Yep, for sure. Uh, let's see. Just looking at a few. Cranky. Uh... <laughs> and thank you, Judge, for letting me in your honorable presence. Yes, exactly. Never, yeah. never <laughs> not brown nosing. Thank you, Judge. Thank you, Judge. Judge, if I may. Judge, if I may. Yeah. Uh, Janet said, do Chad and Lori have any contact at all? No. They're, they're not allowed to write each other or have any kind of contact at all. They're co-defendants and they are charged of con with conspiracy. Mm -hmm. And so they cannot have contact. Yeah. Uh, Cammie said, it's a voluminous situation for Chad. Truly. So voluminous, yes. Truly. Holly said, is there anything specific to the Mormon faith that explains why his kids can still support him? Is it just patriarchy or maybe they believe in the rapture? Mormons don't believe in the rapture. No. Uh, however, the patriarchy does explain it. It does. The obedience to the priesthood holder, the head of the home. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, it does to mm -hmm. some extent. That, that is it. Yep. So you got that right, Holly, for sure. But yeah, Mormons don't actually believe in the rapture. No. They don't. But they do believe that families will be together forever. If they follow right. the rules and do all the things they're supposed to. Now, obviously, Chad has not followed the rules and done all the things he's supposed to. So they got to be on shaky ground there. But that those beliefs are very, uh, very intense. Yeah, yep. they definitely are it, ingrained from birth. Yeah, for sure. Let's see. Mark Means is looking for means of income. I'll bet he is. You know, he's moved away. Yes. At least that's what we, we've been told. We've been told he's in Missouri, so... Let's see. Lori's crime shouldn't affect her co-conspirator just because he helped plan the murders. <laughs> right? Right. I mean, come on. <laughs> Somehow implying that these two did different things. Right. No, they didn't. <laughs> that really made me laugh. Yeah. Let's see. Do we think they've spent all their money? God, don't you think they've got to be close? A long I mean, Lori ago. doesn't have any money. Chad's house is uh, held being held by Pryor. But I, man, I mean, it's been a while. That house yeah. isn't worth that much money, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Janet, will they ever release Tammy's cause of death or autopsy findings? Apparently not till they go to court. Trial. At Those trial. locked down. It must be uh, some pretty significant evidence in the prosecution's case. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we're not hearing a thing. No, only that one son implied that a police officer told him that she died of asphyxiation. And he apparently thought that meant, oh, then she wasn't murdered. Because I don't think he knows what that means. Uh, but we don't know if that's true or not. Yeah. Garth Garth said that. Um, uh-huh. She apparently had petechia. And that, you know, that's what the a police officer told him. We don't know if that's true. Because yeah. this, it, this information is so locked down that mm-hmm. an officer would probably be in some deep shit for doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ron Behedral said, I saw Mark Daybell's website. I think he's between a rock and a hard place if you listen to his songs. I think that's really true. You know, I mean, I even though some of, you know, I like everyone really hated on Emma and her husband because, well, they acted like assholes, you know, they did. But mm-hmm. then again, how do you act when this happens I, in your family? How do you act? Right. Yeah. Yep. It's a mess for sure. Melissa, they're going to smack him down with that the minute he's sentenced. He's on his way to Arizona. Well, she is. Yeah, she I is. I don't know about Chad, but she is. Chad has Arizona has said they're not charging Chad. Yeah, but they are. But they may charge yeah. Lori. Yeah, yeah. Pretty interesting. So that's what's up in the Daybell land. And we have one more thing to discuss before we're done tonight. And it's not actually a case update, but it's something that uh, we thought was interesting enough to bring to the table. This is happening in San Francisco. Oh yeah. This so is... prepare to be astonished. So in see, we couldn't do this as a DNA for the win case. Cause it's DNA, but it's not for the damn win. It's DNA for, for the sure. lose. Yeah, for sure. So the, District Attorney in San Francisco, uh, Chessa Bowden, he has said that the San Francisco police are breaking the law and he wants to put a stop to it. Very interesting to see the prosecuting attorney and, uh, or the district attorney and the police at odds like this, right? Yeah. Well, here's what he has discovered has been happening. There is a DNA database collected from victims of rape and sexual assault that comes from rape kits. And apparently the police in this area have been using that database to search for criminals. The victim's DNA has been being used uh, to search for criminal activity. Totally illegal and totally reprehensible. Wildly illegal. Yeah. And so to put this in scope, I, Christy and I have both been fingerprinted a billion times for different jobs. And Mm -hmm. when they fingerprint you to do a background check, they tell you, we do not keep your fingerprints on file. That would be illegal. You have not committed a crime. We use them to search our system to make sure that you pass a background check. But then uh, we have to destroy your fingerprints by law because that's the law. If you haven't committed a crime or willingly put your DNA, fingerprints, whatever, into the system, they cannot be used. No, like I've been fingerprinted probably five or six times because every Mm -hmm. time I had to have a new background check as a social worker, Mm -hmm. um, they didn't have my fingerprints on file because that's illegal. So, yeah. Isn't that low, Aaron? Mm -hmm. So here's what Bowden said. He said, 
It's legally and ethically wrong. He called for an immediate end to the practice, uh, committed to working with the police to address these allegations and to fix them immediately. He said, I am disturbed that victims who have the courage to undergo an invasive examination to help identify their perpetrators are being treated like criminals rather than supported as crime victims. We should encourage survivors to come forward, not collect evidence to use against them in the future. This practice treats victims like evidence, not human beings. Exactly. Well, and it just is one more reason for a rape victim to go, I don't trust the system. I'm not telling anybody. And in case you're wondering how the uh, district attorney knows this is happening, it's because they arrested someone and showed up in court or, or turned over to the district attorney their evidence. And the rape kit uh, DNA is how they tracked her evidence back to, uh, it was actually a white collar crime, but at any rate. So they marched into the district attorney's office going, here's what we have so that you can arrest this person. And he went. You got her DNA how? Yeah. Yeah. No. Cannot do it. So wrong. And I'm grateful that this DA is willing to speak out about it because it is messed up. Yeah. Yep. So obviously they're going to do something about it. But again, this is why people mistrust. My God. Yep. So at any rate, uh, Hopefully that's not happening in other places. Uh, but as a rape survivor, yeah, that yeah, would terrify anybody. Renee said, as a rape survivor and all I've gone through, on top of it, that would tick me off even more. Yeah, it's so low. It's so wrong. So good on the prosecutor for recognizing uh, how illegal that is and, and that it has to stop. But good question, Cammie. How many other places are doing the same thing? You know what really got my goat about this is that in so many states, the backlog of rape kits is years and years and years, sometimes decades long. Yeah. They're not even investigating these rapes. They're not doing the DNA work. And now we find out that in some places they're using the DNA against the victims. Yeah. Good hell. That's seriously fucked up. Not yes, okay. Yes, it is. Well, that'll help create more. One thing that we are kind of lacking in the courts at this point are some laws about the use of DNA. And the legal system has to catch up. Mm -hmm. and, and this will be one of those things that helps to push that forward. So anyway, that's it. There you go. That is case updates tonight. I think we covered everything, didn't we? I, I believe we did, yeah. And that was an arm load, I know. It was. But we will be back tomorrow night at 7 p.m. for the Psychic Hour. And Christy, I know that you have a gorgeous new deck that you want to use tomorrow I night. Do. We're going to use these Keepers of the Light Oracle cards, and we're going to do some channeling. So we will uh, connect with the energies of these cards, and we will, Katie and I will do some channeling for you, yeah. which I don't know if we've ever done on the Psychic Hour. So I'm excited about I'm that. I'm not sure that we have. Yeah, very good. Yeah. All righty. Well, you guys, thank you so much for being here. This yeah. has been yet another production of True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. Take care. Thanks, everybody.